going to read um, some verses from 1 John 4, which really set the, the tone for what I was wanting to, ta- to talk to you about today. 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray together. Father, I just... I want to come to you and ask you for the strength to... quietly and confidently talk to my brothers and sisters today in a way that means something to some of them. But more importantly, Lord, I want you to come close to us in everything we do today so that all of us can be touched by your love, that we can understand what it means to Give your only son for us. And the shout that you were making by putting your son on a cross, the shout that you were making to us to respond in love to you. Please be with us, Lord. Accept everything that we do and Provide comfort for those that need comfort today and strength for those that need strength. And fill us all with the love of your lovely son, Jesus. Amen. I haven't warned the musicians, but um, the hymn's coming in in about three to five minutes, I would guess. So just in case you're not feeling comfortable. Um, and there isn't a large segment of a an exhortation today. I, I, I often feel if I'm listening, if people do little bits and then a hymn and a little bit and a hymn, you think, oh no, is there a big bit coming later on? Well, just so that you know, there isn't. And we've got um, some hymns on there that aren't in the book, so there are music sheets spread around the room as well you need to be aware of. Well, <clears throat> Mother's Day didn't start very well in our house today. Um, Sarah had kindly uh, left some flowers and a card for her mum. And she put next to the flowers in the card a cup of tea with a tea bag in it, ready so that when her mum was dropped off by John this morning, she could have a nice cup of tea. We were all a a bit of a mad rush, and I was trying to get the kids to help make some breakfast for mum in bed. And uh, so filled up the tea bag. that I thought, well, it's very organised of Sarah to put a tea bag in for herself in the morning. Uh, (laughs) Which then went upstairs to mum, who doesn't drink caffeinated tea, and uh, wasn't available for Ruth when she arrived. So uh, apologies all round. 
It did strike me um, as I was reading, particularly the psalm reading for today, that um, it was entirely appropriate, and it certainly prompted my thoughts for today, uh, that it was Mother's Day. There's a, there's a verse in there that talks about God knitting us together in the womb. Um, and it's a fantastic picture, isn't it, of God not just uh, aware of our being. Morning, Gladys. Good to see you. That God is not just aware of us being born. He doesn't just count us like unnumbered bits of sand on a beach. But he knit us together. It suggests to me a God who is intimately involved in our very being. In the way that we're put together. Who understands us from the inside out. In a way that actually very few of us understand each other thank goodness you might say but in a way that perhaps mothers understand their children that intimacy of a relationship when you have actually given birth to you have born a child God knows us like that because he knew us from when we were knit together in the womb and it struck me that actually maybe we don't think of our relationship with God in those intimate terms and that's all I want to do this morning If you were to read the Leviticus 26 reading for today, uh, in fact, we'll quickly turn to Leviticus 26. It's a really, um, it's a really good chapter of stark contrasts um, for the people of Israel. The first half says reward for obedience, and the second half is 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 a bit longer. And it's about punishment for disobedience. And, and it's easy if you read those verses. Let's read verse 3. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. The ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and grape harvest will continue until planting. And then you go down to verse 14. But if you do not listen to me or you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands... If you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. And there's a a list of horrific things that happen to the people, starting with sudden terror. And it's easy to get, for me anyway, reading that, to get caught up in in the wrath of God. That's often how... I think of God in the Old Testament is the, um, is the second half of that chapter in Leviticus. But when you think about what he's actually describing to Moses and trying to get Moses to describe to the people of Israel, it's, it's a description of what happens if you move away from God. And I believe it was his, God's attempt to compel the people to stay close to him. Because moving away started with um, sudden terror. And staying close to God meant blessings. And that tells me something about God. It tells me that he wants to use every mechanism possible that he can to bring us into a loving relationship with him. He knows what we're like. He knit us together in the womb. He knows those for those of us who... Actually, doing good comes quite naturally. I didn't see any raised eyebrows then, but I'm saying us in the collective. He knows those of us 
for whom good comes quite naturally. And he knows those of us um, who will perhaps be more motivated by a fear of consequences for, for doing wrong. And because he knows us so well, no matter who you are, God has worked out a way of getting through to you. But he doesn't force you when he's got through to you. His motivation might be to get everyone, all people, to come to him. But his method is really to open a door, open the way, and then ask us to walk, or if we're feeling enthusiastic, to run, or if we're feeling desperate, to crawl to him. We're going to sing about this in hymn 159. Just start with if I can find my hymn book. Um, I worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. If you look at verse 2, low at his feet lay thy burden of carefulness. High on his heart he will bear it for thee. Comfort thy sorrows and answer thy prayerfulness, guiding thy steps as may best for thee be to that open way. Hymn 159. We've got... Two collections as usual today, the first for the general fund and the second for preaching. And while the bags are going round, I hope Alex is going to come and give us some announcements. Good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you all today. And here are the announcements for the coming week and next Sunday. Father God, we know that you are with us. We pray that you will be in every activity that we do that we will achieve glorifying you and bringing people closer to you in the activities of this church. Amen. So, today, uh, lunch is in the hands of Stephen Rach. All are welcome. Um, Do remember, please, the youth church teachers and children in your prayers that's 2.45 this afternoon. And this evening, 6 o'clock, the evening service continues in the series Get to Know the Psalms. Announcements and other details. So I'll finish with the care news. Um, okay. Um, we're still... Um, need to pray very much for Colin Boxall. Um, Apparently he's having some investigations over the weekend, so we need to keep Colin and the family in our prayers. Uh, Sam Parker sends his love um, from the lakes. He's getting support both from the medical profession and from South Lakes meeting, uh, but he's still struggling. Um, He and his mum both very much appreciate our prayers. It makes a big difference. So please continue to pray for, and if you can, contact Sam, send a card or something, give him a phone call. Marion has good and bad days. She was hoping to be out today, but um, she's not able to be with us. So please uh, remember Marion in your prayers, and she does love it when we get in touch with her. Um, She's very good at texting. So if you ask for Marion's mobile number, I think Angela will be able to furnish you with that. She's very good at texting, so uh, appreciates contact that way. And please continue to remember 
all our members who aren't here today um, and other members who struggle with various health issues and other things. So remember to keep uh, Brother Bill um, in your prayers. Remember Gladys, it's great to have you here, Gladys, but we know that it's not always easy for you. Um, Pauline, um, and remember Ben and Debbie as they continue to cope with uh, Debbie's mum's illness. Uh, Please don't forget John in Kinshasa as well. Had contact with him this week and he's well, but he misses us um, a lot. Uh, Next week, again, Becky Sutton is preparing care news, so please do remember to let Becky know if any care news comes up. Um, If you can't get in touch with Becky, then get in touch with another member of the care committee. Those are all the announcements I have. Yes? You did ask me. Um, But I might need a pencil. Thank you. Uh, So if anyone has anything else they'd like to share for the pastoral prayer, then please let me know now, Ruth. Okay, well, if there's nothing else, will you just stay where you are and uh, pray with me? God of love, we know that you want to be with us, you want to be close to us, you want to be intimate with us. And we know that 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 intimacy, that love that you have is not just for us who sit here, but it's for everybody, for the whole world. I know sometimes I feel like we come to you on a Sunday morning at this time with a list of people. Knowing that you already care, that you already have them in your hands, that you already know what is best for them and for us. So, Lord, most of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you that you do care. Thank you that you do love us. Thank you that you desperately want to share an intimate relationship with us. And thank you that you have brought healing in various places, people that we've prayed for before. Thank you that you've brought change in circumstances. But we also do ask that you especially care for some people that are close to our heart, some people that we care for deeply. Lord, we lift up to you now Alison's friend Jo and everything that she's going through. Lord, may she feel your presence, your love, your intimacy. And Lord, I'm reminded of Nancy who struggles with her eyesight. Lord, she's she's always so cheerful and it must be difficult. We pray that through whatever she's going into, you will remind her that you are close that you are there for her to rely on 
Father, there are many other people that we lift to you now in our hearts, in our minds. And I pray that you will help us where we can to be the people that show your love to these people that we love, that we know you love. Help us to be the carers where we can. Because we know you care, Lord. Lord, bless us as we as we try and care for each other this week. In the strong name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm due to do the announcements next week, but I'm not going to be here, so I'm looking for a swap if anyone is kind enough to stand in. Thank you, Alex. Let's just remind ourselves by singing the Praise the Lord song 175 of who it is that we pray to for our brothers and sisters. They're the words of angels in Revelation. Praise the Lord 175. Uh, I'll ask you to stay seated for this, please. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. I said to you before that for me quite a lot of the Old Testament feels like um, it describes a remote relationship with God. And I know I'm wrong in that in in lots of ways, but just bear with me um, while I say it. Um, They had an approach to God through priests and they were kept away from the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and the temple. But when um, you think about it, do you ever wonder why the barriers were there, if you like, the remoteness that was there. I think it was for the people's benefit, not for God's. If you think about the people of the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they didn't have a historic scripture by which to understand God, a creator God. They um, they had a current experience and their history, their, their nation's history, mixed up with all the nations around them and the history that they had, the surrounding cultures. In general, and this might be unfair to say, but in general they weren't well educated and their life perhaps sometimes wouldn't have easily squared with a loving creator who, in the words of David, hemmed them in with his love. But you do see those, don't you, in the Old Testament who God recognises as having his spirit, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the list is a lot longer, who were all given exceptional insights into God's plans for his people and in and in intimate ways often. So Abraham going for a, a quiet mountain walk with his son and God and he didn't know it, but the ultimate sacrifice that was going to be made was walking up there with them. The dreams of Jacob and Joseph. Moses seeing a burning bush and hearing a still small voice. Those were all, for people of God, if you like, for people who had God's spirit, were all incredibly intimate moments that are described in that same Old Testament. But the angel explained to Moses at Sinai, as the clouds drew in around, 
and the earth started quaking and smoke came out of the mountain that the people needed to see that they needed to see the dark clouds to, to experience the shaking ground to hear the thunderous voice I don't think we should make the mistake of equating the needs of the people with the intentions of our loving God. I think there are times in our lives when we feel like we need the quaking ground and the smoking mountain and, and the dark clouds to know that God is there. But that's not how God wants to describe himself. It was the still small voice. And much of what Paul tries to stress in the New Testament when he's contrasting the new covenant and the old law is the fact that the law effectively veiled the people from a true understanding of God. Whilst giving them an understanding of their creator and how um, awesome he was, they weren't able necessarily, all of them, to see him for what he really was. In Ephesians 2 verse 14, Paul says, that Jesus, he describes Jesus as our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Through him we both have access to the Father. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. There's nothing more intimate than imagining God dwelling in us, is there? But it's not just a New Testament reality. Despite the priestly structure and the thunderous voices and the sometimes threatening prophecies that we read, just quickly, if you want to turn to it, you can. If not, just listen to the words that in Numbers 6 that God instructs Moses... To give to Aaron to tell his people, the Levites, how to bless God's people, the Israelites. Number 622, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they, says God to Moses, will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I think that God knew that our religion would get in the way of 
our relationship with him. He always planned for the relationship to supersede religion. And we have this great benefit of perspective, you know, 4,000 years on or so, that we can see the plan that God had for us and we can read the words of Paul to understand the intimacy that God is intending to build with us and to dwell in us. And fortunately for the people of Israel and for us, there are people who had that insight all the way through. Um, And fortunately, uh, or because God planned it that way, um, we're able to to see some of those insights. And Vicky's going to come up and read to us now from Psalm 139, a Psalm of David who was a man after God's own heart. Psalm 139, for the director of music of David, a Psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting.
intimacy through David's eyes with the creator of the universe. As we sing our next song together, just think about that. Intimacy with the creator of our universe. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. You had it on one of your um, sheets of paper. Creations revealing your majesty. From the colours of fall to the fragrance of spring. Every creature unique in the song that it sings. Vicky read in verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I just wanted to say that I think the reason for God's intimacy, if if it's not obvious to you, is because he wants us to come close to him. He knit us together. He made our joints work. He made our nerves join together. He made all our funny bits and our more serious bits. He made the bits that look just right and the bits that don't look quite right. He did the same with Jesus and Jesus' response was obedience and love. Why does God want intimacy with us? Well, why do you why do you want intimacy with anyone? Because the reward of love from another person is the richest experience that a human can have. And God knit us together. He made us in his image. He made us feel like that when we love one another. So God wants our intimacy because he is rewarded by the love that we show him too. We read from John's letter earlier that if we love one another and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It might seem like an odd question as we approach this meal that we share together now, but... Who do you think tore the curtain from top to bottom in the temple at the time of Jesus' death? It's rhetorical. Just think about it. Jesus was dead. It wasn't him who tore it. It was God who tore and broke the metaphorical barrier between every one of us and the Holy of Holies, his dwelling place. The culmination of God's creation was the gift of his son. And that gift leads to a breaking down of all the barriers that we might put between us and our creator God. Any barrier between us and that most holy place, any veil or misunderstanding is removed by God. And it allows us the intimacy of a relationship where we can ask Honestly and openly for forgiveness from our sins. John, will you come and offer a prayer for the bread, please? Mighty, amazing God, we give thanks and praise that we hear in safety 
and in love can meet round this table and share this gift of bread. Father, we are truly blessed that we are loved by you. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And as he has committed to us this message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as through as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. We're going to uh, we're not going to sing praise the Lord 161. We're going to um, finish very shortly um, with another hymn. Before we do, um, did any of you see a program on sun, on Friday evening, nine o'clock, BBC Two, called Reverse Missionary? Um, for those of you who didn't, and you've got access to iPlayer, I would thoroughly recommend that you do. Um, I've got the details. I should have been writing my talk, but I couldn't because I was so transfixed by this programme. And it was, it was about a missionary from Kingston, Jamaica, um, a guy who grew up <coughs> carrying knives to school and trying to be um, the hard man in his gang, who had been converted to Christianity. And one of the people that he was most touched by when he was growing up in Jamaica was a, a chap... Um, a Baptist chap called um, Thomas Birchill, who in the 18th century had done a lot to further the cause of emancipation of slaves in Jamaica. And so what he was doing, he, he was coming to the UK par- partly to uh, on, on a um, pilgrimage, really, to come and see the hometown of Thomas Birchill, which is King Stanley in Gloucestershire, and partly to get involved with the local Baptist church, in King Stanley. And really the programme was about his attempts to convert that Gloucestershire village. What he found was a, a, a tiny congregation, I think 17 at most, uh, three rows laid out so that it looked a bit fuller than it was. And, and actually he found many more people down at the local pub than he did in the church. And it, I don't want to spoil it, but it was just very interesting the way that he went and reached out to people. Some very intimately in terms of the problems that they were suffering. Somehow created leadership out of his faith in terms of uh, a football club that he got going. It was just remarkable. But the point is that a modern-day reverse missionary found a dying church in a godless English village. But he also found many people, most of them at the pub, admittedly, who were crying out for intimacy for an understanding of the gift of love they might not have phrased it that way but the gift of love that can be found in God and God has worked out a way because he knit us together and he knows us from our very beginning he's worked out a way to get through to every one of us the creator wants intimacy with the created it was him who tore down the curtain 
He wants to live with us, to abide with us, and with those people in King Stanley. And the mission that we have to take from this place is to find those people who don't know intimacy and love and to show them that in God they can have it in heaps. And so, Father, you leave us full of questions and full of answers. Those questions of wonder about how you who make and have made things seen and unseen, things in heaven and on earth, things that stretch and expand our capacity to hold them in our hearts and our heads. How you who have done and do all those things should meet us in Jesus. How you should meet us in Jesus and in his life and death and glorious resurrection ask us how can you not love me and we leave father filled and yet empty loved by you and longing to continue and to maintain that sense of your touch on our lives and you press us Father you press us to look outwards outside our own hearts outside the sphere of our own lives outside the walls of this church And you ask us to make that love real to people who know the question in their hearts but don't know the right way to ask it. And so, Father, as we leave, comfort us with that sense of your eternal purpose, meeting us in Jesus that assurance that this will take us into an eternal and glorious future and that until we see its fulfilment and its realisation that there's still a great work for us to do. Amen.